The COVID-19 pandemic showed us how a microscopic virus could upend our lives. There is so much out there that we need to understand. But for every threat, there are heroes working at the edges of science and policy to protect us. I'm Dr. Abdul El Sayed, former Detroit Health Director and host of Crooked Media's America Dissected. Every episode, I talk to the doctors, scientists, culture makers, and policy leaders who are working out new ways to protect us against our biggest threats. New episodes of America Dissected every Tuesday. Listen on Odyssey, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Doctors are calling the new class of obesity drugs unprecedented and revolutionary for good reason. They're helping people lose 10 to 20% of their weight on average, the most effective weight loss drugs we've ever seen. Spending on these drugs for weight loss and diabetes combined hit nearly $7 billion in just the first half of the year. The bulk of that cost, though, is falling on companies and employers as half of Americans get their health insurance through work. Today, how employers improve worker health without busting their budgets. From the studio at the Leonard Davis Institute at the University of Pennsylvania, I'm Dan Gorenstein. This is Tradeoffs. The hype around these new anti-obesity drugs seemed to explode this spring. People with type 2 diabetes are excited about the potential of once-weekly Ozempic. We just asked. Is Ozempic right for you? Television, billboard, social media ads for Ozempic rained down. See how I worked with my doctor to incorporate Ozempic with diet and exercise. Adults lost on average up to 12 pounds. Ozempic, which hit the scene back in 2017 to treat type 2 diabetes, has fast become popular for weight loss. Hollywood celebrities talking it up. Jolo, you look thin. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Ozempi? Yep. <laughs> Made a cameo at the Oscars. You look great. Everybody looks so great. When I look around this room, I can't help but wonder, is Ozempic right for me? And prescriptions have skyrocketed. One analyst projects the global market for this new class will reach $50 billion by 2028. And, no surprise, over the last year, companies have seen their prescription drug spending at the pharmacy soar in tandem. The cost of this drug alone is threatening to increase pharmacy budgets, maybe even bust pharmacy budgets. That's Jeff Levenshurst. He's a consultant with the firm Willis Towers Watson, which now calls itself WTW. Jeff says the popularity and cost of the drugs have caught employers flat-footed. So much so that some, like the University of Texas System and Ascension, decided to cut off coverage altogether. Other businesses are using various tactics to limit prescriptions, guiding workers to diet programs, or steering them towards cheaper drugs to lose weight. I think more employers are in the position where they're realizing that this is a big potential cost problem, but are not yet unequivocally making a decision to remove coverage from these drugs. Like so many employers around the country, the cost of these new obesity drugs has put the state of Connecticut in a bind. The state's health plan, which covers more than 200,000 public employees, retirees, and their dependents, is on track to spend more than $30 million on these drugs a year. That's more than triple what Connecticut spent in just 2020. Oh my God, this is like, how bad, how, how crazy could this get? Josh Wojcik is the policy guy for the state comptroller's office, which runs the state's plan. 
back in April, Josh remembers crunching the numbers, punching his calculator. I'm walking down to present this uh, to the comptroller. You know, I'm feeling nervous. Even though the state's policy only paid for the drugs to treat diabetes, Josh could see in the numbers people were using it for weight loss, and that had the state headed for a brick wall. Comptroller Sean Scanlon remembers Josh walking in. I immediately understood what he was saying, which is that, you know, we think we have a real reason to do this for, from a couple of different perspectives. Number one, it's the right thing to do. People want to lose weight. They want to get healthier. I think it's not corny to say that your employees' productivity is based on how they're feeling and how they're doing. And if our employees can be happier and healthier, um, then I think we can make a big difference in terms of what we are able to get done here as a state. But as much as the pair wanted to cover the drug for obesity, Josh and Sean also knew they wanted to needed to slow down the spending. So they hatched a plan and kicked it off in July. Anybody on the state health plan who wants access to these meds for obesity must work with IntelliHealth, a company that specializes in obesity care. Sean explains that IntelliHealth is screening workers with obesity to understand the root cause of their problem. There's a million different reasons why somebody is clinically obese. We know that there are ways to treat this and there are ways to improve your life and your health. And we, we think we know that pairing somebody with an obesity specialist is one really good way to do that. Depending on that workup, some employees get a prescription for the new weight loss meds while others get different lower cost treatments. This is one reason Sean says he's optimistic that the state will be able to curb spending. Based on all the data I'm seeing, this is going to make a difference and will ultimately save the state money. Here's the idea. The state is basically cutting a deal with its workers. In exchange for this coverage, employees are committing to take the drug weekly, show up for follow-up visits. Consultants who advise employers on their health plans say this kind of drug and lifestyle combo is common, and it certainly reflects both old-school thinking, people must be motivated, and the new school, give people drugs that actually help them with a medical condition. These drugs should be covered, but we shouldn't be just covering these drugs without actually requiring people to do what makes the drugs work even better for our investment in them. Olivia Quagliani is in the first wave of people going through the state of Connecticut's plan. The 26-year-old high school counselor has struggled with weight all of her life. I would eat slower and make sure that I wasn't eating any more than anybody else because I didn't want them to associate that with, oh, well, that's why she's bigger. She's eating more than me. Something that I knew existed, but no one ever talked about. Olivia felt bombarded with messages. Eat right, exercise, do more, be better, be different. And she tried. Olivia played softball. She skated wing on her high school hockey team. She made the rounds with all the diets. And yet, she gained weight. I kind of just like hated myself for it. Um, I was disgusted. And I remember thinking like, how did I let myself like look like this. Growing up, everybody said she was in the driver's seat, and Olivia internalized that. She figured if she was in control and she was this heavy, she was the problem. 
I just feel very like, what is wrong with me? Her thinking started to change this March. She found a doctor who treated her weight and related health problems like a medical condition and prescribed her Ozempic. At first, Olivia was skeptical. I don't remember a time where I ever lost weight, ever, no matter what I did, you know? So I was like, if that actually happens, I'm going to be blown away. And she was. In just four months, Olivia lost 30 pounds, all while maintaining the same lifestyle. In July, Olivia switched off her parents' insurance and signed up with the state of Connecticut. But when she went to refill her prescription, she was hit with a bill, $900 a month for Ozempic, unaffordable on her high school counselor's salary. So I, I start freaking out. I'm like, wait, no, 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 no. <laughs> no, this is actually working for me. Don't do this. Stopping the prescription was out of the question, says Olivia. So she agreed to the terms of the state's plan and met with the weight loss experts. A few minutes into her first appointment with the nurse, she was nearly in tears. I stopped him and I was like, I could cry right now. <laughs> like, there's the way that you're even talking to me. I'm not stuck like this forever. Being on a drug like that, like, doesn't make me lazy or, you know, it, it's treating a medical condition I've had for a very long time. Olivia says this shift to seeing her weight as a medical problem has been life-changing. She feels hopeful, motivated, taking the drug, doing her weigh-ins, hitting the gym. And she's down to the lowest weight she's been at for quite some time. Olivia is the poster child for Connecticut's program, and Comptroller Sean Scanlon is optimistic that the other 1,000 employees who have signed up for this program so far will be just as invested as Olivia and have similar success. I'm using my Billy Pulpit right now to start a conversation here in Connecticut and frankly across the country. Are there better ways to, to do this while also maintaining access and improving outcomes? After the break, employers weigh the pros and cons of covering these weight loss drugs and why the promise that they'll pay for themselves will almost certainly fall short. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard. But now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step -step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. I'm Shankar Vedantam here to tell you about a great mystery. That mystery is you. As the host of a podcast called Hidden Brain, I explore big questions about what it means to be human. Questions like, where do our emotions come from? Why do so many of us feel overwhelmed by modern life? How can we better understand the people around us? Discover your hidden brain. Find us wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back. Like the state of Connecticut, many employers are trying to balance expanding access to Ozempic, this new weight loss drug, without busting their budget. Tradeoffs producer Alex Olgan has been talking to employers, consultants, and economists about the coverage landscape for a few weeks now. Alex, thanks for joining me. 
Glad to be here, Dan. So let's get a baseline. Are lots of employers covering these new expensive obesity medications, Alex? So Dan, surveys show about 40% of large U.S. companies are covering Ozempic and the other popular new drugs for weight loss. But that coverage really looks different from business to business. Some, like the state of Connecticut that you just talked about, add conditions. And others make employees try cheaper drugs first, like Contrave or Cusimia. And yet another subset just offer it to the sickest people. Okay. A lot of variation there. And based on your interviews, do you have a sense of why we're seeing so much of that? Well, just like we heard with Olivia's story, the country's in the middle of this shift. It's now about a decade old from thinking about obesity as a lack of willpower and a lifestyle choice to understanding it really as more of a disease. Historically, many companies encouraged workers to lose weight through their wellness programs. Let's do a step challenge. You know, let's improve the food in our cafeteria or in our vending machines. That's Jeff Levenshurst. Oh, yeah, Jeff. Yeah, we heard from him at the top. He's a business consultant from WTW. Right. So Jeff has spent the last several years advising the country's largest employers on their health benefits. In 2013, Dan, the American Medical Association officially recognized obesity as a chronic disease. And he says that's when attitudes started to go from obesity as a lifestyle problem to obesity as a medical problem. Got it. Okay. And look, we've seen this before. When bariatric surgery first hit the scene, that's the procedure where doctors essentially make your stomach smaller, employers were skittish. But today, Dan, about half of them cover it. Fair enough. So, Alex, I'm guessing another reason employers are taking such different routes here that you've laid out, being so cautious, really, is because these medications are just so expensive. Oh, absolutely. And as these drugs get more and more popular, employers are spending a ton of money. The state of North Carolina, which covers almost 750,000 state employees, spent $120 million in six months on them. State officials there told me they're in the middle of reviewing whether they can keep paying for these drugs. And lots and lots of employers are in this same boat. They're watching their spending spike because of this. Mike Thompson is president of the employer group, the National Alliance of Healthcare Purchaser Coalitions. He says lots of businesses are elbow deep into figuring out their next moves. The early adopters are already stepping to the plate. And I think within two years, it could be half of employers. It won't take that long to move because everybody's going to be looking at everybody else. Given all this decision making going on, Dan, I wanted to get a handle on how businesses are staring down their dilemma. They want to offer something, but they're just not sure they can afford it. And you know, when I'm facing a tough choice, I make a pros and cons list. Oh, yes, you do, Alex Ogan. I know you do. And I'm sure it involves big, fat binders. <laughs> of course it does. And they're color coded tabs and everything. Cool. Uh, I can only imagine your apartment. Uh, so so just, just start with the pros. Okay. So there are three big ones. First, the drugs work really well. They've helped people lose between 10 and 20% of their weight. And studies are showing the drugs are also just making people healthier in general. A big five-year trial by drug maker Novo Nordisk found these drugs can actually lower the risk of heart attacks and strokes in some people. That sounds like a huge pro, Alex. And healthier workers, you think, would miss less work. That seems to be the case. And that actually brings us to our second pro. 
research shows that people with obesity miss three more days of work a year. That lost productivity adds up to about a few hundred dollars per employee every year. Now, these are not huge numbers, but it's better than the alternative, which is why it's falling on our pro side of the ledger. Yeah, sure. Pro with a lowercase p, perhaps. Okay, Alex, so that's two. What is the last one here? So one way that lots of companies attract talent is through the benefits they offer. And Mike Thompson at that employer coalition says that some companies are viewing this obesity drug coverage as part of this overall generous health insurance package. I do think that employees do have a higher level of expectations, particularly coming out of the pandemic, about working for an employer that is leaning into their needs and their expectations. And and this certainly is a good indicator that you're doing so and you are being progressive in an area like this. Great. That's the upside for companies, Alex. The drugs, let me review, the drugs help people be healthier. It may improve productivity and it can help employers attract workers. So let's crack open that second binder of yours, buddy. What scares employers about offering this coverage? And I, obviously, money is at the top of the list. Obviously. These drugs range between nine and $15,000 per employee every single year. And remember, people will be on these for the rest of their lives. To illustrate just how expensive this is, I want to do some back-of-the-envelope math here, Dan. In a company of 100 employees, let's say 40 would be obese, since 40% of Americans are, assuming all 40 of those employees took this drug at $10,000 a pop, you're looking at $400,000 each year just on this one medication. And part of what I think you're saying here, Alex, is that these are new healthcare costs. Employers have to get that $400,000 from somewhere, namely their profits. Yes, exactly. But it's likely the company will only chip in some of those extra dollars. Everyone else in the office, not just the people taking the drugs, will likely have to chip in with higher monthly premiums. Our friend Jeff levin from WTW says a lot of companies are walking this tightrope. Employers are in this terrible situation because they want to offer this medication But on the other hand, they also want to be sure that their health insurance isn't so expensive that a lot of employees drop out of it. Both WTW and Mercer are expecting health care costs to jump more than 6% next year, with employers expected to eat a large chunk of that. And Dan, they literally both say that that increase is in part due to these drugs. Okay, so that's the first con, and it's huge. This is a super expensive drug, and employers and employees will all be on the hook to cover it. Alex, what about whether these weight loss drugs will save money? Because, I mean, it's like easy to think, right, if people who are obese, they get healthier, they're going to have fewer health care needs, and that's going to end up actually saving the company money. Yeah, but that's actually my second con, and it's kind of sneaky because you're right, there is a lot of talk in business HR circles that these drugs could lower health spending. And there's something to that. Some people would likely have fewer health problems, which could mean fewer visits to the hospital or emergency room. But benefits health experts like Jeff say there's only a tiny sliver of cases where companies may actually see these lower medical costs. There might be an individual person who won't 
have a heart attack and a $100,000 hospitalization next month, but that's going to be very few people, and you'll have to treat a lot of people to get that. Not only are there just a few people who fall into that category, but in many instances, Jeff says the heart disease or diabetes that could be avoided would happen years down the road. And by then, there's a good chance those workers will have moved on or maybe even be retired. So the reason this is a con is because while there could be savings, it's really more of an illusion than a reality. Got it. Okay. And being able to approximate the savings, if any, seems to be super important for employers wrestling with this decision. Well, this is also part of the transition from lifestyle to disease that I talked about earlier. I mean, employers aren't hoping that coverage for cancer treatments or broken bones will save money. The people that I talked to for the story, Dan, they kept telling me that companies rarely get savings when they pay for health care or a prescription drug. It's so rare there are just two examples people told me about. Childhood vaccines or birth control. Both relatively cheap and both avoid really big downstream costs. Only a few months into parenthood, Alex, and you're already feeling the strain on your wallet talking about kid costs? (laughs) Oh yes, I am. Kids are cute, but I gotta tell you, they are so expensive. Indeed. Okay, let's get back to the story, Alex Olgan, please. Okay. Back to obesity coverage. I have one final con for you. There are lots of people who are clinically obese. Like I said a couple minutes ago, 40% of U.S. adults. And these drugs were approved for everyone, from people carrying an extra 20, 30 pounds to people who are severely obese with lots of serious medical problems. And if employers want to offer this and do so without breaking the bank, one of the toughest decisions that they're trying to figure out is where to draw this line on who's eligible. Right. They, they don't really want to pick winners and losers here. That's right, Dan. And one final thing before I put these heavy binders away. There are new and arguably better obesity drugs in the pipeline. And that increased competition could drive down prices. I'm sensing a but. Right. But we could see the opposite, which happened with multiple sclerosis drugs. Manufacturers raised prices on old drugs when new, more expensive ones came out. You really get a sense of why lots of employers are feeling stuck on this right now. Yeah, it's a really difficult decision. They're going back and forth about what to do. That makes me think about Connecticut, Alex. Like, they've actually made a decision. State comptroller Sean Scanlon knows how expensive this drug is, and he knows that the drugs actually do help people. And at least as far as Sean is concerned, he told me he feels like a moral imperative to offer a really good treatment if it exists. I'm not afraid to be wrong. I'm not afraid to try something that doesn't work, and I'm not afraid to own it. And that's how I approach public policy. You know, Sean thinks about people like Olivia Quagliani, who are meeting with obesity experts regularly and taking this new drug. Yeah. And based on my interviews, Dan, that's what employers all around the country are considering a marker of success, at least for now. Right. And that's what it looks like in this moment as we transition from seeing obesity as a willpower or lifestyle problem to really a disease. Right. Alex Olgan, thank you so much for your great reporting on this. You're welcome, Dan. I'm Dan Gorenstein. This is Tradeoffs. Ransomware attacks started spiking in healthcare when the pandemic hit. 
Three years later, they remain a major problem, disrupting care for weeks and costing hospitals millions. Now, new research suggests they can also be deadly. We go inside a ransomware negotiation and hear the latest on the impact these attacks can have on patients next time on Tradeoffs. Thanks for listening to Tradeoffs. If you've just discovered us, remember to subscribe to the feed so you never miss an episode. Subscribing is free and easy on whichever podcasting app you use, NPR One, Spotify, YouTube, anywhere you listen to podcasts. The Tradeoffs team is producers Alex Olgan and Ryan Levy, editors Kate Cahan and Deborah Franklin, executive director Jessica Silverman, audience engagement lead Shannon Crane, research reporter Soleil Shah, with help from Kate C.P., Kelly Osmondson, and Cedric Wilson, sound designer Andrew Perella, executive editor Dan Gorenstein, and senior producer Leslie Walker. The Tradeoffs theme song was composed by Ty Sitterman, with additional music this episode from Blue Dot Sessions and Epidemic Sound. Tradeoffs coverage of healthcare costs is supported in part by Arnold Ventures and West Health. Additional thanks this week to Bruce Sherman, Adam Beener, Sloan Saunders, Eric Finkelstein, John Miller, Frank Lester, and Alyssa Zilberschlag. Thanks also to all our listeners who helped to support our work, including Carolyn Engelhart, Andrew Abramowitz, and Leslie Soika. Our media partner is SideFX Public Media, based at WFYI. Tradeoffs is supported by the Robert Wood Johnson Foundation, Arnold Ventures, West Health, the Gordon and Betty Moore Foundation, the Sozose Foundation, California Healthcare Foundation, Just Trust, the Leonard Davis Institute of Health Economics at the University of Pennsylvania, and the National Institute for Healthcare Management Foundation. The views expressed in this episode are those of the individuals and not those of trade-off staff, advisors, or funders.